Hey whores, I've got something to share. I love magic wands and I love anal toys. So I've partnered with LaWand and B-Vibe to get you the best discounts on their entire site. From now until June 30, get 20% off the entire store by using code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout. Get yourself a rumbly magic wand or even a rimming plug and get you coming, baby. That's Lawand and B-Vibe, and use code SEXHEADWITHTIM for 20% off both stores. Check the description for more details, and I'll see you at your next orgasm. Mwah! The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm a certified sex educator. I identify as a chaotic homosexual. And uh, Vance, I have a question for you. What is the name of the NSYNC member who loves dick and working with his body? (laughs) Uh, Lance? (laughs) No, somatic phallic Chris Kirkpatrick. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to say Lance is, was my favorite when I was a kid. I mean, as gay guys, wasn't, wasn't he all of our favorites? Yeah. But I did, I, did, I did think JC was the hottest. Okay, fair. I, yeah. And then as I grew older, I was having a bit of a daddy thing for Joey Fatone. And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Joey, if you ever listen yeah. to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hey, thank you so much, Vance. Um, uh, people listening, I am so nervous because, holy shit, I am recording this fresh off of a, a session, a somatic session with my guests today, and oh boy, I am riding a different wave of energy, uh, high, um, uh, I don't know, we'll see what's gonna happen, because guess what, when you get better with your mental health, you lose your sense of humor. Um, <laughs> using That's humor to deflect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a lie and a half. No, um, but listeners, that very handsome and dulcet, deep, sweet voice you hear at the other end of the mic is none other than my newest friend and such a cutie patootie, Vance. Hey, Vance, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. It was a good day. It was nice uh, meeting you and having our session today. It was uh, made my day. Oh, my goodness, Vance. Like, you you have no idea. Like, the nerves, the... Oh, boy. I'm just, like, I'm absolutely, like, I'm still kind of shaking right now from, like, just riding off that energy and our somatic session. But before we get into that, because I do want to talk about it and want to, like, unpack everything that happened in session, 
Um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so my name is Vance. I'm a somatic sex and relationship coach. Um, so I help gay men uh, deal with anxiety, shame, trauma, so they can find deeper connection, more meaningful connection, and more pleasurable sex. And we all know how much help the gays need to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. I do think everybody um, needs help on that front, but <laughs> but I I'm I'm working the gays <laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's start with some basic definitions first, because I'm not sure everybody knows exactly what somatic is. So, what is uh, your role as a somatic sex coach and educator? Yeah, so a somatic practice is anything that um, helps you be in your body and out of your head. So somatic practitioners work a lot with people with trauma. It's a lot of work with the nervous system. So when you get triggered, usually you get anxious, you get in your head. There's a lot of things that will happen that take you out of the moment. And so what I help people to do is to have the tools, whether it's through breath, movement, talking, to be able to relax their, to calm their nervous system and come back to being in their body so they can feel what they're feeling. They can feel, oh my God. Yeah. I'm just focused on everything that I'm feeling right now. I'm, whew, I, I'm, feeling, feeling? I'm feeling all of the feelings. <laughs> How am I feeling right now, Vance? I'm feeling, uh, I love what, what are you feeling? Oh, what am I feeling? Um, uh, I'm, when I left session, I was at a one out of 10 on the anxiety scale. Now I'm at like a three out of 10 only because of the nature of this recording. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling very like, Ooh, I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm not like deep in a depression right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually quite very happy to be recording this with you. And I'm just. I don't know. You left me speechless. That's all I have to say. Well, that's okay. As long as uh, you're feeling something. (laughs) Trust me, Vance. I'm feeling many, many things. Um, (laughs) So uh, why would someone require your services besides like the trauma and anxiety? What can clients get? from hiring a somatic practitioner? So if you're someone that struggles with connection or sex, so like, for example, like I'll just name out some examples with people. So some people, when they meet new people or when they're trying to date, they're very socially awkward and uncomfortable and they allow themselves to get in their head so it doesn't even allow them to be themselves when they're engaging with people. So I would practice with my clients so that they could keep coming back to their body, keep trying to breathe, relax and be themselves. Sexually, it could be things like if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, if you have premature ejaculation or just get anxiety and don't know what you like sexually or what you're into. My work, though, I should say is all about it's not about if you have erectile dysfunction, I'm not going to help you get a raging heart on and figure out how to do that. <laughs> I was going to say, like, are I'm, you going to jack them off? <laughs> I, no, I wouldn't do that. But I, uh, but I, it, that might come out of it. But really what I'm trying to do is help them see that they can feel pleasure and not have to worry about those things. So a lot of gay men, the reason why they get into their heads is because 
They feel like they have confidence issues about the way that their body looks, how they are in bed, or just who they are as a person to connect, right? And so all that stuff prevents us from getting turned on, being in our body, feeling pleasure, right? So if you're having sex, and maybe one of the reasons why you can't get hard is because you're thinking too much about what the other person is thinking of you. And so, of course, you're not going to get hard. Of course, you're going to not feel pleasure because you're going to be too much in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why focus your practice on gay men, though? Besides the fact that we're both gay, uh, yeah. like why specifically choose to help gay men's sex lives? Well, because I, I got into like I so I'm a yoga teacher too, and so I started out teaching yoga in 2017, and I always knew that even then I wanted to work with men in general, and I think even now I. I it's more men I want to work on because I think there's a lot of issues with men just opening up and being vulnerable. Understatement of the year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But so I always wanted to work with men as a yoga teacher. And the thing is most people who come to yoga classes are women and that's just the way that it works out. And I do think it's another issue of men feeling like it's feminine to do yoga or something. And so they Um, they fear it. (laughs) So hard. Yeah, but but lots of men don't do it, right? And I um so but I there is a thing of like it's vulnerable, it mostly women do it. It seems more even though it's not, but it seems more like a women's space, so I think a lot of men avoid it. And I also think that a lot of men think it's like especially men who are into fitness and working out will avoid it because it's not as tough or as like working macho, out weights. It's masculine. Not, yeah, there's all that masculinity part of it. I started getting into sex work from, I started doing burlesque and that led me into sex work and starting an OnlyFans and I escorted for a brief month. (laughs) And so, but through all these experiences, I started to realize that, and just from my friends, that I realized how much men were struggling with connection and how many men were lonely and how many men had anxiety over who they were and unable to connect. And so I just had this moment of, being like, oh, I think I, I should, this is what I need to do. Somehow I need to help men connect. And and the way it kind of worked out is I just met someone who was a somatic practitioner and he said, I think this is the work that you're looking for. And so that's how I got into it. I actually wanted to ask you how you got into the somatic practice. Like, uh, where do you go for your training? Who do you work with? Uh, so I did it through a school in San Francisco called uh, Somatica. Two lovely teachers, Danielle and Celeste, who taught me how to do it. Uh, they're amazing. They're, I love them. Even when I went into the course and they're just both, what I realized about this work is that it's it's social justice work. And like really what we're doing is we're teaching people to be themselves. It's like what I said about the, I'm not teaching people to be like, to give them better tips to have better orgasms or like some That's sort of my Cosmo job. guide. Yeah. <laughs> It's like just teaching people to just be themselves and things are, you're not going to be perfect and you just need to show up and be yourself and have other people see that. Right. And so, but just by being that there's so much of society that says, you know, you're, it's shameful to be sexual. It's shameful to be a slut. It's shameful to have different relationship styles. It's shameful to be alone. Like there's so much of the stuff that like so many people are in deep, mental health issues because of what society has told us what we should be and how we should live our lives. 
And all I'm doing is trying to help people see that that how that shame shows up in their body and prevents them from actually being themselves, which leads them to more connection, more pleasure. You are just taking things from our session today, aren't you, Vance? Just like what? <laughs> <laughs> all of the things I unpacked on session is now on the air. Oh my god! <laughs> but but you know what? I would say that like the, I mean that is the the main reason why anyone comes to see me or like what I'm trying to do to help them is that it's just there's so much of like comparison of everyone is doing it, including myself, of like I'm not good enough because I see all these people out there that look better, are more successful, have more friends, da da da, all that. And it's really about realizing, no, my my life is okay as I am, and I just have to live it my own way, which is really hard. <laughs> it's so difficult being authentic, especially in a world yeah. where, like, we're flooded with messages of you got to be a specific thing, and you have to appear a specific way through social media, through whatever. And it's just like, can I just be, <laughs> please? Yeah. I just want to be. <laughs> Leave me alone. Well, we talked... Yeah, and we talked about this today where it was uh, the thing with gay men that our our looks become our currency and our Ugh. worth and our value. And it's really hard to see that past that if you don't fit into the mold of having a different body type than what is seen as the ideal. Because like I know for like my experience, it's like if you look out at those guys who are perfect looking, it's like, well, look how much attention and uh, acceptance and love they get. But what I've realized is like, well, it's not, it's attention. It's not, it's not real connection. Mm -hmm. um, it's likes. That's all it is. Double tap. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, the way I, I think about it is like, it's like a drug. Um, you need to keep a, your supply high. high. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <sighs> and so I, I'll get into this where I'm just like, oh God, I like, I'm so lonely. If I just look that way, my, like I would have more friends and stuff. And it's like, well, that's not really true. It's not even about that. Which is interesting because I personally see you as one of like the gorgeous looking ones. Like I see you as like, oh, he must be like, he probably has all the attention of all the guys all the time because he's, he's gorgeous. He's got an OnlyFans and he's like, like I, I told you, like I was very sexually attracted to you, which is why I was super nervous. And like, I don't know how to handle this kind of energy. So, yeah, I was, like, very thrown back when you told me that you have those kinds of insecurities and thought processes as well. Because I'm like, wait, you're the hot one, and you're saying that hot people or other hot people have that kind of, like, that that sort of, um, I, I don't even know how you say it, that, like the chase for that high I, I don't know i was just like how are you so aware or like i i guess I'm, what i'm trying to say is that it's it's really surprising to hear a hot person recognize the hot problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh, like so i'll tell you like my experience with it is that like what I've realized with the attention that i get and the the negative side effect of it is that it's become like, so me as a person, I'm, I'm a very deep thinker, sensitive, very emotional. And so that's what the, 
tends the types of relationships I look for. And it's really hard to find other men that are like that. And so I've always struggled with loneliness, not really feeling like I fit in with anybody. And so, but when you're getting all this attention for the way that you look, it becomes this like, oh, I can't lose this because if I lose this, then no one's going to like me. And so it becomes this like anxiety thing. But I think that like, like when I've like, I've always like, I remember when I was 18 and like started going to the bar and got hit on and it was like this drug and felt amazing. But I think that since I've like, I've been really sexually open and expressive my whole life that I've never had this like, like I explored having lots of sex and doing all that. And it like, it's great and it's fun and I enjoy sex. But I think now the way I look at it is that it can almost sometimes feel like harassment. <laughs> Cause I don't really, I don't want that. I want connection. I want someone to, I want someone it's, it's even funny with like my Instagram and stuff, which is very sexual. Cause it just is my, that's me anyways, but it's, your Instagram and your uh, Twitter. Very, very sexy. Yeah. And so, but a lot of that stuff is me expressing myself. It's not to like, it's exploring photography and sex and art, which I think I found is like the way that I express my sexuality on my own is performing. That's what I started learning with like dance and burlesque is, you know, and I, I don't need anything. I don't need people to validate that for me. It's just a way that I enjoy to express myself. And so I get like, if people are constantly just saying you're really hot or you look great. And it's like, thanks. But it doesn't really do anything. Like I honestly, I would rather have someone say, Oh, my God, you love Britney Spears, too. I saw her in Vegas, two, three or four years ago, whatever it was. And I would be like, Oh, my God, really? Oh, my God, I love her. And I would talk kicks. I feel like they're at least seeing something that is deeper than my Yeah, body. something beyond the superficial. Yeah. And so like, that's I think the thing about like, being hot and i think oh, they can't see my quotation mark fingers but <laughs> air mark. Um, yeah air yeah um because the thing about it is like i don't look at myself in the mirror and go i'm really hot i look at myself and compare myself to everyone who is more muscular better looking than me and thinking i don't look good enough and i have like i think a bit of body dysmorphia of i always have seen myself as being like too small and like not masculine enough and it just comes from you know culture of toxic masculinity that says like to be smaller must mean I'm more feminine and that's not as desirable. And so I have all those issues, but I'm like, again, that's all society stuff. And I'm trying to like push out of my head, but I don't like, there's not a lot of times that I'm like, Oh, I feel great. Uh, or I mean, I look in the mirror and I'm like, Oh, I look so fucking hot. It's like, I'm still comparing and doing that thing too. And the, with the attention that I do get, I think it's just, it's, overrated and even the sex that i have i the per people that i have the best sex with has never been because they were really hot <laughs> it was because <laughs> i was really connected to them and we had the same the same type of uh interest in sexual connection yeah, yeah. yeah like i'm a very emotional partner connection type person and so like, I like eye contact. I like closeness. I like passionate Same. sex. Same. Oh, my God. Like, I can have, I, I have had how many partners? And, like, I've had all the kinks and all that stuff. And I've learned that about myself. That it's like, just give me eye contact. Give me body contact. Give me passion. Make me mm -hmm. feel, I don't know, special. 
Is yeah. that a narcissistic thing to say? I just want to feel special with anyone to have that's sex narcissistic. with. <laughs> yeah, and that's really beautiful. And you should have that, right? And but like, how do you find that? What communication by like telling your partners that you are into that kind of stuff or that's who you are, right? And I find that just general hookups, like there isn't a conversation. There is no communication of like the conversation is like, what are you into? It's be like, well, I'm a bottom. And no one is like, well, I'm really into partner connection. So if you can make sure that <laughs> you're really close or, oh, actually, I'm really into spirituality. I want to like connect to God or whatever. The I'm really thing is. into like trigonometry and biophysics. Yeah. <laughs> How about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my so, God. Or whatever. If you're into like really kinky gangbang whatever stuff like whatever is your thing right usually that stuff doesn't come out on the first date or the first time you have sex with someone so i think like that's why like communication and and that all takes vulnerability and being yourself and and authenticity and just being genuine and i guess that is basically like the huge part of the somatic practice is getting in touch with your authentic self so my next question then is, would somatic practice be basically tantric or is it like different? Are they just similar? It'd be different. So tantra is like the practice of tantra is, and I, I'm not a tantra expert, so I've, I haven't done any training or in that. So I'm not, uh, from what I know of it is that tantra is, it's more of the, the focus is on the journey and not the outcome. So like with sex, it's focusing on the lasting of the sex and not the orgasm, right? So like, that's the point of it is to keep the sex going, being in the moment and being present. But like so many of us are like, we want to get off, right? And so like that, the thing that I would help people with that it relates to is that the thing is we don't need to have orgasm to have great sex, right? And like, there's so many times that oh well i'm sure this is experience with a lot of guys that like there's that time where someone feels like they can't come and they're focusing so hard on coming for the other guy because maybe the other guy came already and it's just like we don't need to come you can slow down right like because the pressure that's the mental part that's like starting to all of a sudden be like oh i can't come so now it's becoming harder i need to come and so what I would help them do is just to be like, you don't have to come. Like, let's just let go of that, right? Like, you can either just be done or you can keep the sex going or keep it slow and passionate. We don't need to focus on the genitals all the time, right? Correct. Because the entire body is, like, sexually capable of feeling pleasure. Not just your dick, not just your ass. Like, fucking mm-hmm. touch my arm. Look me in the eyes. Rub my nose with your nose. Like, boop me there or something. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. And I think... And I think also the thing with uh, guys and just like jerking off themselves, masturbating is that like a lot of us, you know, watch porn and jerk off for like five minutes, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> so like, that's the problem too, is that we're not even exploring what feels good on ourselves. Right. It's like, like, even if I, like, if I jerking off, cause I got into the habit of social in the pandemic start where it was like jerking off five times a day. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, this isn't even like, I feel like it's just habit at this point to just do it. And it's so boring. It's like a chore now. Yeah. And then it's like, but now I'm trying to do like, okay, well, I'm going to like have a nice long session with myself. So maybe I'll use a dildo and, you know, maybe I'll get stoned and have like, have like a 20 minute 
jerk off masturbation session where I'm riding this dildo and like touching myself and moving my body and not just laying there looking at porn, jerking off for five minutes till I come, right? Like I think mm-hmm. masturbation should be special too. Or even when you're masturbating, like don't you don't always have to come. Like yeah. take and it, time. And like masturbating, I feel doesn't necessarily have to be focusing on your genitals. You could like be playing with your nipples or massaging your own ass cheeks and that could be masturbation. Yeah, or even just, I don't know if, about you, but like when I was, I remember like before I discovered masturbation, I discovered fantasizing. And I remember I would, <laughs> like when I was like 11 or 12, I don't know, but I I remember just like, I would always be going to take a nap and like, and I would just fantasize. And like, I never even knew that masturbation was an option and fantasizing would get me turned on and feel really good in my body. And so sometimes just like, you can and you can fantasize anywhere. You can be riding the subway and like start fantasizing and turn yourself on, right? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> we always have access to that. The amount of times I have just stuck a butt plug inside of me and rode the train, and like yeah. I would just like see a cute guy walk in, and I'm like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that too. <laughs> Great, I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, being living in in a gay man's head is truly something to behold. I recommend everybody try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, because you do focus your practice on on the gays, what do you think is wrong? Okay, maybe not wrong. Or what do you think gay men are getting wrong about sex or like what are we lacking? Why is it that we're so conditioned to think that our looks are are our currency or why is it that we're just so focused on getting off and leaving well i think there's quite a few issues (laughs) the reasons why (laughs) it is a big question yeah (laughs) so also like so when we're kids and we start to we learn intimacy from our parents right and how our parents treat us and i think from my experience and i'm sure a lot of other men's experience is that like I didn't really have a an aff- affectionate relationship with my dad, and so oh like, same <laughs> yeah. So like we didn't hug, we didn't say I love you. There wasn't really any of that, and and then even when I was a kid in school, like I tend to I I gravitated more towards women and became friends with the girls and not the guys, and I didn't ever really have a a blueprint of what real intimacy and connection looked like with another man. Because I know I came from, like, I'm from Saskatchewan. And so I know, like, the men there, it's very much about what it means to be a man, means to be hard, don't cry, you know, don't show feelings. And so I think just the the ability to uh, to do that with other men in a friendship way even is really difficult for us because we we didn't really learn how to do that. Oh, gosh, that's so hard to hear. But, like... All gay men, well, maybe not all gay men, but I'm just the huge majority of gay men have the same similar experience where it's like they they just don't know where to get or they don't have any models of intimacy from such an early age. Yeah, and I, I think then it just also becomes then we go into a culture of men that, you know, also don't 
show feelings and emotions and mm-hmm. deal with perfectionism. And so it's really hard to like start connecting and learning now. As adults. Yeah. Now we have to like unpack all of our shit. Like uh, maybe, hey, guess what? Your abs aren't really that big of a deal, huh? <laughs> maybe the size of your dick isn't that much of a thing in relationships, huh? <laughs> well, I think all of that stuff is just, it's just armor to like, so perf- like we kind of talked about perfectionism today, but like that's like the one big thing that gay men struggle with. Like I remember thinking like I used to think like why are all gay men like really good at home decor and like (laughs) are in really good shape like there's no biological gene that's in a gay man that makes them good at interior design and then and then it was like we said today that the velvet rage in that book he talks about how it's our it's our shame because we internalize the shame of being gay and I think that comes with too being gay as a man if you grew up in a an environment that said being feminine wasn't okay for a man being gay was like if you were if you're gay a gay kid feminine was your way that people saw how you were gay right so you learn to not be those things and so you internalize all that shame even if like things got better and you came out and everything was good like you still have that like shame which is trying to protect you and so that shame comes out in perfectionism with a lot of gay men so it's like Going to the gym, making sure your body looks perfect, being more masculine, having really nice things. Because if no, if everyone, if you just make everything around you perfect, then people won't have to see who you really are. Right? Oh. They're going to notice. They're going to notice the perfection. Oh, if you surround yourself with perfect things, nobody will notice the imperfection that is you. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So it's just, it's it's all just armor, right? And we need to learn to, like, let that down a bit sometimes to let people in. I'll tell you even when I'm in struggle and shame. So, like, when I'm feeling lonely, my first natural impulse is to start working out more. Because the thought process in my brain is saying, fine, then I won't have any friends, then I'm just going to look really amazing. (laughs) And so that's but honestly, that's but it's a way to instead of me having to admit that, oh, I'm lonely, and I don't have connection. And that really hurts. Instead, it'll be like my ego kicks in and is like, well, I'm going to become really successful then and throw it in everyone's face who doesn't like me. (laughs) You know, like, it's another way of like, putting up that armor of like, well, I'll just be really successful then. Oh my God. That's very Regina George mean girls. Like, <laughs> yeah. look at me. I'm so beautiful and I'm so hot. I'm not going to let anyone in because this is all they should focus on. I'm not going to tell you all my deepest, darkest secrets or whatever. And it's like, that's so exhausting. <laughs> it is. It is really exhausting. I've actually thought this in my head uh, a few times and I'm like, Oh God, I wish I could just like, let that stuff go and just like if i wasn't feeling well take a month off from it but i'm so conditioned to be like i'm struggling okay i gotta work harder then oh my god yeah because the fear too is that if i stop working hard then i'm gonna lose everything (sighs) and i'll be like okay now i have no friends no connection and um i'm not successful at my job like what do i have then it's like, well, what are we? What's left of us if we're not surrounded by admirers, if we're not filling our pockets with cash, if we don't have the model Abercrombie and Fitch body? What's what's left? Oh, yeah. And, and it's just it's 
it's all social conditioning bullshit. <laughs> it really is. And Preach. that's the thing that, yeah. And so I just want people to understand this stuff really doesn't matter. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Yes. Hello, all my little sluts. It's me, Mama Slut. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just wanted to hop on here real quick to let you in on a sexy little deal. Do you like feeling sexy and looking sexy? Of course you do. Only my listeners are sexy as fuck. I have partnered with fetishwear designer Dale Kuda to bring you the hottest deals on custom jock straps, harnesses, hats, and more. Head over to dalekuda.com, that's D-A-L-E-K-U-D-A dot com, and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 25% off the entire store. Yeah, you heard me, 25% off. And, cherry on top, free shipping, oh my god. (laughs) I have a few of the stuff that he has made for me, and... Girl, I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing like a little jock strap so that I could easily just like slip a little butt plug or dildo every now and then here and there. And I'm on the train. I'm just like, uh, 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 thank you, Dale. <laughs> That's dalecuda.com with the code SEXEDWITHTIM for 25% off your entire purchase with free shipping. With a deal like that, I swear I could come buckets, honey. <laughs> Hey, you disgusting pervs. We all like sex toys, right? Nipple clamps, vibrators, masturbators, oh my. Good For Her has one of the best selection of sex toys, learning resources, online workshops, and gender expression materials you can't find anywhere else. Go to goodforher.com and use code SEXEDWITHTIM10 for 10% off your purchase of any of the toys bought online. That's G-O-O-D-F-O-R-H-E-R.com and the code S-E-X-E-D-W-I-T-H-T-I-M-1-0 at checkout for 10% off your purchase of any of the toys bought online. And they ship worldwide. Trans-inclusive, feminist, and pleasure-focused, Good For Her has been doing the Lord's work since 1997, bringing you everything you need to get that... Uh... Uh... The show is about to begin. Yes. I want to now segue into talking about our session today because (laughs) everything we just talked about this far into this conversation has been extremely relevant to what happened in session. So, um, First, I, I'll start with what I experienced and what I can mm-hmm. recount, and then you can tell your side of the your point of view from the session. So for me, when I came in, I was like very nervous. I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm already super fucking anxious. And before session, I I already told you what was going through my head and what were like some of the things I'm facing, like imposter syndrome, my anxiety and my depression. And there was just something so natural about the way you let all of that out of me. (laughs) That like, I, (laughs) the last time I cried in front of a total stranger was my therapist who I've been seeing for the last four years. So, I was caught 
way off guard when you were able to make me cry within like half an hour and i was like holy fuck <laughs> all these- well first of all i gonna say i didn't i well, i didn't intentionally make you cry <laughs> <laughs> But you you were like, you know, you, you kind of wanted me to be that vulnerable, didn't you? <laughs> like, let's I, get I mean, it out wanted, of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I, I just wanted you to be yourself, right? That's true. And I did feel like my most capital S self when I was with you. And, oh boy, was it liberating and was it ever so freeing. It's just that no... Not everybody gets that opportunity, right? Not everybody gets to be their most authentic self. And I feel like the work that you do is so goddamn important. And it's mm-hmm. so beautiful how you let that out of me. And I was just like, I, I like cried on the train ride home. Oh, <laughs> well, thank goodness I had a mask to like absorb the tears, but like, you yeah. know, and I was all alone in the train, so I was like, thank God nobody can see this. I was just like sobbing, like everything that we talked about in session just made me like think about am I am I doing some sort of performance for my clients, and am I seeking the approval of other gay men because that's all I see my worth in, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like we were talking about how in gay culture, your looks are your currency. So because I was escorting for four years and I made some money there, I thought that's where I saw my worth in. And now that we're in the throes of a pandemic and I've already quit escorting, I've gained a shit ton of weight and my body's changing and I'm kind of having trouble with that in the context of gay culture. I'm like... Do, am I even a worthy human being? Because mm-hmm. I've tied so much of my self-worth to my body, to my job, to the kinds of friends I make, the kind of sex I have. So, like, for example, if I have a bottoming accident, I'm like, fuck, I'm a sex educator. This should never have happened. That means I'm just a really piece of shit human being, which is like, mm-hmm. what a thought process, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you got that out of me through through session and i was just i'm still reeling in from that so Mm. (sighs) goodness thank you so much for that vance but um i want to get like your side uh your point of view from today's session just like a prognosis rather (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i don't know about a prognosis but (laughs) i uh I think what so one of the things that uh, I I help men do and and I do this for myself too is that this idea of embodiment of like being in your body and feeling what you're feeling in the moment and I think one of the things that I love about this work is that like even I'll, so even as a yoga teacher I remember a lot of guys who would want to hire me to teach them yoga. It was like, teach me yoga so I can be in shape and I can look amazing and feel great. And I always was like, well, first of all, that's not really what yoga is about. Yoga is about being present in the moment and feeling and being self-aware. And so I always was like, you know, that's great. I'm glad you want to feel great and, you know, get to this goal of like looking better and all this stuff or whatever, accomplishing your goals. But really like, well, all I wanted for you was to feel what you're feeling. So like, I'm not going to try to take away your loneliness. I'm not trying to take away your shame. I'm not trying to take away any of that. 
all I want is for you to be able to express it with me and then hopefully other people in your life, right? Because the thing is, we can't make those feelings go away or we shouldn't anyway. I don't want to be on meds anymore, Vance. (laughs) Yeah, but we have to, we have to let the, we have to feel what we're feeling or else then it's never going to pass. Right. Mm. And so, and we have to go through what we're going through though. And, and it's awful and it's difficult and like, it sucks ass. But the thing that I've learned about what I want in this work is that it's, becomes so much more easy and beautiful if you can do that with someone that you love and care about and so like that's the thing that we're missing is that we're all lonely and anxious and depressed but we don't even know how to talk about it with someone or how to how to get support and that's what we need to do right that's what we have to learn to to do better because that's the thing that's going to get us through Mm -hmm. now from today's session how did you approach me as a new client like what are did you have like any sort of expectations or like some sort of agenda or schedule like a routine how do you approach your new clients with whatever it is that they're bringing to session so i have no expectations and we kind of talked about this today where uh when i started doing this i did try to plan things and then i realized that people are, I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what's going on. And even when clients will come up to me and say that they're struggling with this issue, it can go in a completely different direction, right? Because it might bring up more of like an emotional side of something, right? So what I tell people, and I told you this, that just think about it like it's a date. Because (laughs) all we're going to do is we're going to talk and hopefully practice some skills, right? So the like the part of my work in the somatic practice part of it is that we get to actually practice these things within certain boundaries. And so like touch is okay. And like, if you don't mind me sharing that, like, you know, I was just like hugging you and holding your hand through it. And when you were getting anxious and nervous, because I was wanting you to let me know how I can help you and how I can support you to, to find a little bit more calm in the moment. Right. And I didn't plan that because I didn't know you'd be nervous and anxious. So I just have to just be present with you and hopefully hold a safer space for you to 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 be yourself and you did i was just very thrown back with all the emotions that came forward so how from your point of view as a practitioner how would you handle or how was there any way for you to prepare yourself for my random spur of the moment sobbing outburst because i didn't expect that to happen and i bet that that was very heavy for uh someone as empathetic as you to like okay how do i how am i going to be there for for this person for this client how do you like even prepare yourself for something that emotionally draining well first of all i don't i don't i don't find it emotionally draining okay. i find because i was I, drained <laughs> yeah yeah so this is the one that can i share a little yeah yeah share myself? everything one of the reasons why I like this work and stuff and like how I said, I'm like a deep thinker and I'm like, I look for meaningful relationships is that I actually feel more comfortable with really intense shit than I feel comfortable with like going for dinner and everyone just talking about their last vacation mm. or superficial, shallow things. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But let's talk about I, philosophy like, for the night, you know? Well, I used to, like, it was funny when I was a kid, I used to, and a teenager, I should say more so, but I love Oprah. And I remember always watching Oprah every day. And I hated the episodes that were like, we're doing a home makeover or like whatever. 
I love the episodes that was like Heavy. some woman who who her kids were all killed in a house fire and her husband left her on the same day or like, what are they wow. just like intense. Yeah. Yeah. But like intense, 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 cr- intense, crazy shit. Because I was like, I would just feel for these people and be like, Oh my God, how did they as a human being move on from that? And I just found it so beautiful and emotional. And I loved that feeling. And so I love the work of I want to be with people and with men that I work with that like I want them to to be emotional and be themselves because I know that that's usually if you've come to me you probably have a hard time with that so like when I see that happen I know it's really beautiful and I also and to say to everyone listening that when someone is having a hard time or you know starts crying or gets really upset our initial reaction is to try to say oh but it'll get better or <gasps> oh you know you'll find someone or whatever the thing is right because we our intention is we want to make them stop crying and feel better because really what we're saying is you're making me uncomfortable because I don't want you to cry Ooh. but so what we have to get better at is being able to sit with people and just be like I know it's hard this sucks yeah. because that's what people want is that they want they what they really want is to like be like you see my pain thank you yeah and you just have to be with them and sit with them and just show that like hey i still love you even though you're struggling yeah um i don't know if i brought this up in session but i'll bring it up now so as of this recording i am currently like i'm drowning in depression and i am basically like a lifeboat or a lifeline to my friends and that's how i i present myself to them as like the mom and bear the caretaker and two of my friends are facing some very heavy shit right now one friend has been or is currently grieving the loss of a very uh close family member and my other friend is currently grieving himself because he has an incurable form of cancer and gosh the the amount of emotions and the crying and i want to say it's going to get better but that felt so wrong in the moment so all i could say being the depressed person that i am i'm like yeah it it fucking sucks that Mm -hmm. that's hard and like mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it's like, but shit, it it's not easy what you're going through. And mm-hmm. like, what what else can you say to someone that's facing heavy hard times? Right? You can't be yeah. toxic positive and be like, "Oh, you're gonna be fine. It's gonna be better." And it's like you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well. Yeah. And that's it. That's empathy to be able to say that just like, yeah, I know it's hard. And also, by the way, to say like, it's going to get better and shit like that is like, it's just setting up for more disappointment because you also don't know if it will. And like, even you said with your friend who's suffering with cancer, right? Like, we don't know when we can say like, I'm going to be for here for you. And like, we're going to fight through this and stuff. But, you know, I feel like we as people need to get more comfortable with disappointment and feeling when things don't work out and being able to sit with that. Right. Because we have to get comfortable with discomfort. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. God. And the thing is it's never comfortable. Right. But we just have to gain a tolerance to it. Oh, but how? 
<laughs> so hard. That's difficult because for me, I'm very pain avoidant. I I have a very like thing of with fear. Or I fear pain and anything that could potentially cause me pain, which is why I'm mm-hmm. single. Hi. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like how do we how do we grow a tolerance to those hard, difficult situations? I think you just have to practice being in it. Like I don't think it's like all of a sudden it just gets easier. Like you were talking. So what you just said about like not being in a relationship, entering into relationships is one of the scariest things because what it means and a lot of people do this is that as soon as things start to get like a little bit serious, they'll get really uncomfortable because all of a sudden there's a chance of I'm going to get hurt. Right. And so that's why a lot of people jump ship. But like, I remember a meditation teacher teaching this to me one time, which made a lot of sense. And I just think about it all the time, but he just said, everything has a beginning and an end. You know, when we enter into relationships, friendships or romantic relationships, or, or even just our family members, right? Like, Everything has an end because at some point one person has to die at least. (laughs) So when sometimes when, so, and usually that's not the case, but like in like for the example, romantic relationships that like, I know I would do this where I would date someone for a while and then it wouldn't work out. And I would be so mad at myself for trusting that person for letting myself get this far into it. And then I ended up getting hurt. But then I realized that first of all, like there are, the chance of it ending at some point is, you know, that there's always going to be a chance of that. And if I can remember that, like, hey, the joy that I felt in the relationship, if I could have kept coming back to that joy and been like, well, yeah, the breakup was painful, but it's not going to last forever, right? Like, I will feel better and I will move on, but I can still focus on the joy that I had with that relationship. And even though it was really hard the way it ended and it I was really painful, there was still so much joy that I got out of it. Like, like I had a partner who passed away from cancer uh, like four years ago now. And I always look at that so much as like this, what the, the, the pain and the grief from going through when he passed away was a symbol of how much I loved him. So like that to me is just beautiful. And so I'm like, well, I couldn't have felt all that love and that joy without that pain. Like, so it's kind of it's it's not about like, oh, pain is now easy and I don't really feel it anymore. It's like you do, but you have to look at it as like it is this part of life and don't be scared of it. I don't want it. it I don't want it. Sorry. Pain. (laughs) Pain. What's going to happen? (laughs) So so get over it. (laughs) All right. Fine. Um, Have you ever watched WandaVision fans? No, I haven't. There's a line in WandaVision that's said by Vision, and it's, I think, at the very last episode or second last, where he says, what is grief if not love persevering? Mm. And I'm like, oh. Mm. oh. Yeah, that's beautiful. Right? It's like, you can't experience that kind of sadness if you never loved that person to begin with. And mm-hmm. it's just nice to look back and look back at those times when you really love that person, no matter how painful the experience was. Because, like, for me, my last relationship ended in 2016, uh, mainly because, one, he was in the closet, and two, he cheated on me three times. So that fucking sucked. And he was the one who said, I love you first. And, uh, it, it, like, oh, my God. I look back at that relationship now and... 
I, I look back at it with kinder eyes and say, you know what? I'm glad that that version of Tim went through that and he learned something from it. Whereas in the moment at the point of the breakup, I was absolutely devastated. I was like driving home in the snow. I was wiping tears from my eyes. I almost got into a car accident because of how much tears were in my eyes. I'm like, mm-hmm. this fucking sucks. But now it's like, you know what? That Shakespeare saying was true. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Yeah. And that's pretty. And then and then to have even deeper insight onto it is that even with this uh, this guy, I think one of the things that I want people to also understand is that people are all trying to do their best, right? And so, like, even to that person, he probably did really care about you, but, like, you know, obviously struggle with some stuff and... You know, like, I, I I hate how as a society we see cheating as like this, oh, it's this ultimate betrayal. And it's a, it's a breaking of trust, right, is yeah. what it is. But it I hurts. think it's not, yeah, And it, but it's not a, we have to start to be a bit more understanding and compassion and be like, create that boundary of you cheated on me and hurt me so I can't have you in my life. But I also have to try to understand and see that people are all struggling. They're dealing with things. They are reacting out of places that, you know, um, that we don't understand. And so it's like, that's, I mean, that's the healthy thing about boundaries, right? Is that we can create those boundaries and keep us safe and still love the other person. Speaking of boundaries, I want to ask you about uh, boundaries during session because you are a somatic sex practitioner. And from first impressions, anyone listening to this, they could think, oh, okay, that means I could possibly have sex with him. So, what are some of the boundaries that you as a practitioner create with your clients? Like, whether it be emotional, like no romantic uh, feelings whatsoever, no sexual touches whatsoever. How do you create that safe space, that container with your clients? Uh, so the boundaries physically are that clothes stay on. There's no touching of genitals uh, and there's no kissing on the mouth. So things can be sexual and like there's things like I could cuddle with a client, right? Or you could even just have a client, you know. You're telling me I could have cuddled with you today? Oh yeah. my God, yeah. I would have wanted yeah. a good cuddle. Damn I it. asked you what you needed. <laughs> I, know. I was I was nervous. I was scared. I didn't yeah. want to yeah. be like, is that too much to ask? Yeah. <laughs> I needed a dick inside of me, Vance. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that I could not help you out with. No. Damn it. <laughs> so yeah, so those are the, uh, so that's what I mean about, you, there still can be touch and intimacy involved uh, within those boundaries. And like the emotional side of it too, is that I, you know, I have to express those boundaries with clients because, you know, I'll have clients that reach out to me afterwards and want to like, just to talk all the time and things like that. And like the one thing, and I, the reason why I create this boundary with clients is because it's very easy for someone to just be like, Vance is super nice. So I'm just going to just start like relying on him and put like talking to offload to him because I've been doing that in session. And the thing is like, but my goal is that you clients find that in their own life with their own relationships that are outside of me. Right. And so sometimes I have to create that healthy boundary of being like, I'm not emotionally available all the time. And I do that with my friends. Like I'm not, I'm not emotionally available to always be there. And so, and everyone should be able to, to know that for themselves. But um, yeah, and all of this is I'm doing is because I want men to go out there and be able to start creating those healthy connections with more people. And it's just too easy to just, you know, 
put it all on me and hope that I, you know. <laughs> yeah, like there is a tendency when for anyone that goes to therapy, for example, there's a tendency that we look at our therapist as like a parental figure or like someone that we can just like, you know, have at our disposal to be like, nah, 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 here's what happened to me. This is what's wrong with it. But like, that's also something that I'm unpacking as well with my relationship with my therapist is because like um he's a gay guy and i don't really have a gr- the greatest relationship with my father so then i start to see my therapist as my father and i'm starting to rely on him for like you know the things that i wanted in a father figure like uh i'm looking to my therapist for like validation and mm-hmm. and to be like, am I doing a good job, Dad? Like, <laughs> and he's like, I'm not your dad. <laughs> Don't say daddy. <laughs> so I I can imagine that like uh, in a somatic session, something similar can come up where it's like they can start to project on their their insecurities or emotions onto you, and like they'll they'll just think, okay, uh, he's great. These are the boundaries that he created. I guess this is fine to do. So how do you personally self-regulate as a somatic practitioner when you carry all that energy, when you uh, have all those boundaries that have the possibility of being crossed? It's like, how do you keep your own energy safe and protected? Well, I know my boundaries. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) uh, So, like, that's the one thing that it's... uh, that like my work is huge on um, is teaching people boundaries because a lot of people don't know what their boundaries are. And so like, for me, it's like, if I like, and I'm not from clients, but just from like friends or family members that if I get a text and all of a sudden I'm like, then I'm like, okay, they've just crossed a boundary. So like, I either have to say, ignore it or be like, Hey, I can't talk right now because like, that the moment of because that's where resentment comes from right is that all of a sudden you're like someone keep you're you have a friend that keeps like leaning on you asking you for help for things or support and then all of a sudden you start going like oh my god because you don't have the energy and they're crossing a boundary but it's up to you to create that healthy boundary and so you know i it was good that you brought up the the therapist thing because i think the thing is like whether you're someone's therapist, doctor, a friend, boyfriend, whatever the title of the person is in your life, we all have to set boundaries. So like your therapist can really care about you and like you as a person, but they're still going to set boundaries because Mm -hmm. they need to do that. Cause they're like, well, I, I can't just, my boundary also is that I get paid for this work. And so I can't just like let you get free therapy all the time because it's going to make me feel resentful. So he can still care about you and set that boundary, right? Yeah. Um, Much in like the same way that you do to, it. Yeah. Yeah, we all have to practice doing that. We have to practice doing that with our partners, right? Like, we have boundaries of being like, you know, I don't want to have sex tonight. I'm too tired. I have to set that boundary. And a lot of people will just have the sex and be like, <laughs> oh, and then they'll hate it. And they'll be like, oh, why Like, why am I so angry with him? And it's like, oh, because you didn't set that boundary and you weren't listening to your body. Oh, God. Resentment is like the poison for all types of relationships. I hate, I hate resentment. I resent resentment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also me being like a people pleaser. I, I really mm-hmm. need to work on my boundaries because I, I was like, uh, I, I've let too many people in and I have been 
exhausted because mm-hmm. I, I have, like I said earlier in this conversation, I have this this uh, weird connection between my sense of self-worth and being like a good friend. So if I'm not there for my friends, then I'm not a good person. So even if I'm having a shitty day and I cannot even begin to hold space for my friends and my friends need me, I feel like it is my moral obligation to be there for them, even if I can't do it. And that is, as I say that out loud, that is very poor boundaries. Very mm-hmm. not authentically me. What's and wrong the with thing me, Vance? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing is, because I have the, uh, so I have this too. And the people pleasing thing probably comes from this needing to be liked. Right. And so the, the thing that I'll do is like, like I used to do this all the time where people would want to hang out and I never, like I'm an introverted person and like most times I don't want to hang out. And so, mm-hmm. but I would always say yes, because I, it felt like if I say no, they're not going to ask me again. They're going to stop hanging out with me. So like, I need to make sure this person, I'm making sure this person feels really good. Cause as soon as I start setting that boundary, they're, they're going to be like, Oh, well he doesn't want to hang out anymore. Oh my God. And so that's why it's really hard to set boundaries. Right. But the thing about it is like, if someone doesn't respect your boundaries, then that person doesn't really care about you. (laughs) Yeah. They shouldn't be in your life to begin with. And like, but, but again, um, but I also, I, cause I always am very careful with like, you know, no one's toxic. Like if someone is like, cause some people just aren't respectful of boundaries cause they get triggered cause they feel like it's rejection or they like, yeah. so, so, so it's not about, Oh, they shouldn't be in your life, but recognizing that like, okay, this person struggles with other people's boundaries. Right. And maybe we can teach each other how to like te- have better boundaries. Right. Yeah. Cause that's also my fear when it comes to like having to weaken my boundaries more in terms of uh, intimacy and emotion. I'm scared that if I'm not there for my friends or my loved ones that one time and I appeared selfish, they're going to think I'm an awful person and they're going to walk out of my life forever. Mm. How, like, that's my catastrophizing brain at work. And it's like, mm-hmm. <sighs> stop, get out of there, please. I just want to, I just want to rest. I want to sleep. But you know what, if that's, if that's an actual fear of yours, that in with in times like that, if that's what you think with those people, you know, it is a great moment for vulnerable connection is to say to those people, like, I'm really scared of losing you. But I need my space sometimes. And most people will be like, Oh, my God, I love you. I'm like, I'll be here for you. I didn't realize you needed the space. Like, please take it right. Like, we don't have to say like, Oh, God, leave me alone. I don't want to hang out. Right? Like, we can do this in a loving way that actually um generates connection that's true like i can say hey i really love you and i care for you but i cannot be there for you in the way that you want me to be because i am currently going through da 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 and see as easy as that was for me to say now i feel like in the moment i would just be like yeah sure okay here come to tim come to mama tim yeah. i will i will care for you yeah. let me take away all of your burden and all of your pain yeah but that's how that's a hard thing like i had that recently with someone i was dating and it like the thing is i had so much fear of them leaving me and i just i was like oh i have to because the fear was starting to like run the way i was in the relationship so i was like on nerves being really needy so i was like oh but i could just say that i'm really afraid of losing you 
And but the 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 fear is that like sometimes people will be like, "Whoa, that's too much for me to handle," right? And luckily he did not. But it was a, it was a chance to be vulnerable. And then like, but also when you do that with someone that you're having those feelings of you're afraid by setting boundaries, you're gonna lose them. When they say that, it makes you start to feel safe in your body again. That like, oh hey, like I can be afraid, and this person can acknowledge that and see that and still be here for me. Right. Yeah, that's true. Still, that's that takes a lot of work to be like to be my most authentic self. I have to set healthy boundaries with everyone that I meet because we're so used to being in a culture of inauthenticity. And Mm -hmm. oh boy, that is uh, that's a challenge. And I hope everyone listening to this will be up for that challenge, especially now when we're all trying to look at our best self, appear our best self over social media. It's like, hey, the pandemic doesn't really affect me. I'm on vacation in Puerto Vallarta. Hang. <laughs> like, oh, uh, God, we get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> uh, in your practice as a somatic practitioner, I would, I want to ask, how do your teachings in session apply to you in your everyday life well i think i i try to practice it myself right everything that no um, but like i i guess uh in more in a more um concrete uh example that i'm asking for is like in your, your relationships with your friends in your uh, work as an only fans creator how does your how do your somatic sex values go into your other parts of your life um well is when you bring up like the only thing too and stuff it's that i might the values that i want to follow are authenticity connection and and creativity and so like even on my only fans i i i want to connect with men mm-hmm. um or myself most of my stuff is solo stuff anyways on my only fans but um <laughs> that's beautiful but it is still about like being in connection with myself and with my body and all that but i think i just always try to be myself like honestly like and it's just like a daily thing through everything that i do is that i think it's really easy to look towards other people that are doing the same thing as you and be like okay well i'll just copy that and i'll just be that and that'll be my determinant for success and i think i've just like always tried to practice sometimes moment by moment to just be myself and feel what I'm feeling. And in my relationships, I, I try to just be open as possible and show as much of my emotions as I feel comfortable with. And Ugh. emotions. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, you and can I tell try to be my challenge with emotions. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just like, Oh God. I just try to be myself. I think I had a, like I was a full blown, like drug addict, alcoholic in my twenties. And I think, I had to, in my mid-20s, I started going to therapy and working on myself. And it was really about learning to accept who I was and not needing the approval of other people. And sometimes, and honestly, that can be like a lonely journey to to be yourself. But but I also think that it's not, I'm not alone. It just means that like more of the time, I'm going to just be doing my own thing and still connecting with people. But maybe I'm not going to PV every winter with the same group of people or have like going for dinner with 10 friends every every weekend right but i think it's just it's really important that i i be myself through my work and through my life 
And I feel like that's the most, that's the least that you can ask of yourself and for mm-hmm. anyone listening and for all your clients, just mm-hmm. connect with yourself. As chal- yeah. as e- that is easier said than done. And it is quite a challenge, but I feel like when you're, when we're asking ourselves to be ourselves, that's the kindest thing that we can do, especially in a time when we're like limited in our space and our social interaction. Mm-hmm. Try to connect with your most authentic self. Oh, I love yeah. that. Oh, Vance, mm. you're so smart and beautiful and just like <laughs> <Gosh>. absolutely amazing. <laughs> you are, no, Vance, truly, you're just like a source of light in the world and in like just just everything. Like you're so fucking cool. No. And I'm so glad that we connected. And I, I, I'm trying to get better at saying it, this. And I, 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 I <laughs> see, I'm already pretty nervous. I'm sending you love, Vance. I love you. Sending you Aww. love. I'm sending you love in like the human, like I love humanity kind of way. I'm giving a virtual hug right now. Oh, uh-huh. well, I love you too. And I just want to say I'm really grateful and appreciative of you showing up today and being yourself and allowing me to connect with you. I, I love this stuff. So thank you. Thank you so much, fans. And do you have any like parting words for the listeners who want to seek the services of a somatic practitioner or just like any last words of wisdom about authenticity? Oh my God, last words of wisdom. Uh- <laughs> No pressure. All of this stuff that we're talking about, it's it's always going to be hard and challenging. I don't think it's ever supposed to be easy. And like one of the best things that I've ever just kind of realized about life is that it's not supposed to be easy. So when it's hard, it's supposed to be hard. And so I think that when I stop trying to resist it all the time and make myself feel better all the time, it just allowed me to kind of live my life with a little bit more ease. But it, it didn't make it comfortable or feel good all the time but i think the point of life is to experience it all and and to have connection it's so important to have healthy meaningful relationships and that's what i want for everybody and and whether it's working with me or working with a therapist or some other type of professional or just working on yourself finding your own practice (laughs) yeah whatever it might be um i think it's it's so important and beneficial and invaluable to do this work it should be hard we should be comfortable and we should have connections. Sounds a lot like bottoming. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just to and wrap that's this so up, wor- that's so worth it. So <laughs> that's so worth it. <laughs> oh my god, the very last like connection there when you just take it all in, take yeah. it like a champ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Vance, you have been such an amazing guest, and I want to wrap this up and as much as i hate to wrap anything up (laughs) (laughs) yeah can you please make like a butt and plug away anything that you want the audience to find (laughs) yeah so you can find me on social media so you can find me on instagram at uh my name which is v-a-n-c-e-h-d-m-n um you can find me on twitter at fans underscore t-o and the links for all my coaching only fans and all that will be through my social media so And I'll put that all in the show notes. So if anyone wants to hire you, they know where to find you. Yeah. And yeah. So Vance, thank you so much again 
for the millionth time for the beautifulness that you are <laughs> and uh-huh. to all the listeners that have made it this far into this conversation thank you so much for listening to another episode of the sex ed with tim podcast please don't forget to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and i will see you at the next one bye thanks for listening to the sex ed with tim podcast sex ed with tim is created and produced by me tim lagman music is aces high by kevin mcleod follow me on twitter and instagram at gayslutclown and at sex ed with tim you can also like and follow me on the sex ed with tim facebook page If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut.